Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy. I am the founder and chief love officer at LastFirstDate.com. I want to thank you for joining us today. Last First Date Radio is a show about achieving healthy, off-the-charts love in the second half of life, and we have an amazing show coming up for you today. I'm super excited. I'm going to be speaking with relationship consultant, speaker, and author Roberta Shaler about how to deal effectively with chronically difficult people. Wow, what an important, important topic. And um, in case any of you have been looking at my newsletter where I announce my radio shows of the week, we did have a last-minute cancellation, Um, a woman named Kira who got very violently ill. And luckily, Roberta was able to come in and save the day. And Kira is going to be on the show in June. So she will be back. She's going to be speaking about how to date offline And she has some amazing ideas about how to do it in a creative way. So this topic of chronically difficult people, oh, my God, this comes up all the time in my coaching. And I really love helping women in particular, um, women over 40, date with their dignity intact. Um, I just co-published, co-authored a book for uh, setting boundaries in dating. It's um, The Secrets to Setting Healthy Boundaries in Dating with a co-author, Teresa Byrne, who was also on the radio with me here. And boundary setting is part of really learning to define your value and to date with dignity and keep your sanity intact. So, So is learning who a chronically difficult person is and to stop making excuses for them. So if you've ever found yourself really frustrated with dating, really frustrated with relationships, I invite you to go over to my website, lastfirstdate.com, and grab a copy of my free guide where I help you to to overcome the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around and find lasting love. And these are actionable steps. And not only will you get this free guide, but you're actually going to get a ton more tips because you're going to be subscribed to my newsletter, which you get every single week, and you can unsubscribe at any point, but you'll get a series of tips every day for about a week and a half of little actionable steps that you can take to become uh, a woman of value or a man of value. Um, Also, if you are a single woman over 40, I invite you to join my Facebook group. It is a vibrant, growing group of about 350 women, and we are a positive, safe space for women to come to. It's a private group. And you can come here and celebrate your wins in dating and relationships and also get support if you're struggling. So it's totally free, and I would love to support you there. It's called Your Last First Date. So just go into Facebook groups and search for Your Last First Date, and if you apply to join, I will approve you. Uh, I would like to also give a shout-out to our sponsor, Audible. Audible is an amazing, amazing service that if you love to read but don't always have time to sit down and read, what 
is the next best thing to get a book on tape. And Audible has a humongous collection of about 200,000 or more titles to choose from. All of your favorite books are there. And all you need to do to get a free book, a free book on tape, and a free month trial is go to audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. That's audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And now for our special guest today, Roberta Shaler is the relationship health doctor. She is a relationship consultant, a speaker, and an author. And she provides care for individuals, couples, companies, and even the Marines. She works with the partners, the exes, and adult children and co-workers of chronically difficult people. She calls these people hijackals, people who hijack relationships for their own purposes while relentlessly scavenging them for power, status, and control. So join me now as Dr. Shaler offers insight, strategies, and support to reclaim hope, confidence, and your sanity when dealing with the constant uncertainty and jaw-dropping behaviors of hijackals in your life at home and at work. To the show, Roberta. Oh, thank you, Sandy. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you. Yes, and I meant to say, Roberta is back again. She was on my show a while ago, and I loved having her on so much that I wanted her back again, especially about this topic. So, Let's dive right in. I am so glad you wrote this, and I've seen your posts with Dr. Ross Rosenberg, who's also been on my show, who also has such great advice for people about how to disconnect from unhealthy, emotionally unhealthy relationships. So let's talk about what is the difference between a difficult person and a chronically difficult person? Well, it's a really important distinction, Sandy, because a difficult person is a person who is difficult momentarily. They're going through something in their life. They're super stressed. They're overwhelmed. They're in grief. Something has happened, and they're going through a little period of being difficult. And we're all somebody's idea of a difficult person at some time. (laughs) But a chronically difficult person is a person who creates difficulties with many people frequently as a pattern as a way of being in the world. And that's why that's a very important distinction because if we're dealing with just a momentarily difficult person, we can have much more latitude for that because we know the bigger picture of who they are. But if we're dealing with a chronically difficult person, that person is just overwhelmingly difficult to be with and they're causing problems more often than not. And something about chronically difficult people is that they are worse at home. (laughs) So Uh they can manage out in the world and they can do it at work and they can be stellar at work, actually. And then at home, they are tyrants, difficult, ornery, oh, so many things, which is why I call them hijackles. Mm-hmm. I love that name. Um, so before we get into the hijackals, um, and these are important distinctions because, yes, we are, you know, many people will find us difficult. In fact, the other day my son said, you know, you're making a really annoying sound. Um, and it was just like, excuse me for living. Um, you know, and I, I just, I basically was able to say to him, you know, if you could say that to me in a, in a different way, I could hear it 
better, and I, I probably would work on it, but the way you said it to me just felt like criticism. Um, he's the kind of person who can take it, and he can handle my feedback, and he agrees, and then he works on himself. So he is not a difficult person. <laughs> he's, a, he's a person who wants to do better. Um, but chronically difficult people, um, they wreak havoc all over the place. But it's interesting that they're worse at home. And I, I remember one of my children would be amazing at school. Like She was a real people pleaser. And she'd come home and let everything out. I wouldn't call her a chronically difficult person, but she felt safe at home. So is that, you know, what's the difference between somebody who lets it all out where they feel safe and a chronically difficult person? Great distinction again. Somebody who does that at home is not trying to manipulate you into having a win for them at every moment. If somebody is just miserable at home or they're off-putting, you know, I raised my three kids alone, and sometimes, you know, they come home and say, well, I just hate everything, and I hate you, and life sucks. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing would just dump all over. Uh, That's not chronically difficult. That's as you so wisely said. That's just, all right, you're safe here. I I know who you really are, and that's not who you're being right now. But the distinction is that when that person really is a chronically difficult person and they're constantly going for the win in every situation, when you're with a hijackal, a chronically difficult person, you know, we, we, let me just put it this way. We've got a perfect example right now in our political system. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is a first-class hijackal. In fact, I'm very afraid because... You know, in my opinion, I'm trained as a psychologist. He is a very scary being. But where you can see this example is the other day he was on a he was uh, phoned into a morning show, and the host played him a clip from the day before and said, "What about this?" And he said, "Oh, I never said that." And so she played him another one, and he said, "Oh no, that's not what I meant at all." And this is an example of having to win in the moment. When he said what he said on the clip, he meant it. He wanted the effect. He wanted the win. He wanted the shock. He wanted to see if he could get away with it. When it wasn't a win any longer on the morning show and he was reminded of it, he disowned that. He pretended it didn't happen because it wasn't a win for him anymore talking to that radio host. And Hmm. so... That's what happens, you know, that child who comes home and (laughs) just lets it all hang out. Uh, We know who they are, and we know that that they feel safe, and they know that we'll love them no matter what. But when you have somebody whose life is all about winning and having power over and creating status and controlling everything, that's a different matter entirely. Then you're with Mm -hmm. a hijackal. Yeah, that's that's a great distinction. So Donald Trump scares me too. Oh my God, it's it's really scary to just see what America's come to. But um, that's a whole other discussion. So let's let's talk about um, what what is a hijackal. So you started talking about the winning. So can you give some more defining features of a hijackal, please? Oh sure. Um, they have this amazing capacity for what is called all-or-nothing black-and-white thinking. So it, when you're doing what I want you to do, Sandy, you are the best thing that ever happened to me. 
And three minutes later, when you are not doing what I want, you are the scum of the earth. (laughs) There Uh is no middle ground with a hijackal. You're either all or you're nothing. It's black or it's white. And they can change on a dime. They can turn on a dime. And so that's one of the hallmarks is this all or nothing, black or white thinking. And it's very, very evident once you start to look at it. There's, there's just no, no negotiable middle in there. Another uh-huh. thing that happens with them is, as I said earlier, they must win in all situations. They're, what happens with a hijackal, and, you know, I have ultimate compassion for them, but I created a field called inclusive compassion because we live in a world where we're encouraged to be compassionate for everybody, to understand, to tolerate, to give, to, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt and all. So we have a strange saying in our culture, which just scares me to bits, and we have this saying called give until it hurts. Well, you put this training about being compassionate if you're a good person and give until it hurts together, and you could just be the, in a world of everybody hurting because they gave until it hurt. So inclusive compassion means have compassion for other people but include yourself in it. Have compassion for what you need and want, for where you are being trampled, you know, all of that. So when somebody needs to win all the time, you have to notice that because that is a non-mutual relationship. And, you know, we're talking about my book, uh, my ebook series right now, which you mentioned, which is Escaping the Hijackal Trap. The first volume is out right now, and it's called The Truth About Hijackals and Why They're Crazy Making. And mm-hmm. we need to, to learn about those things. And everything I'm saying today is in that book. The second volume will be out at the end of June, and it's on effective solutions for handling hijackal behavior. But another thing, all or nothing thinking, the need to win, they will always blame you for everything. They take no responsibility or accountability for anything they've done or said or wanted or not wanted. It will always end up being your fault. Another piece of the puzzle is that they... They thrive on keeping you in an uncertain state. So ambiguity is key for them. If they can keep you off kilter and uncertain, they are doing their job. Another one is what I call incredulity. That's what I meant when I said, you know, that jaw-dropping behavior. They do something, and it is so amazingly awful that your jaw drops, and you go, wow. No, that couldn't have really happened. They didn't really say that, did they? (laughs) They don't mean that. And we start backpedaling, justifying and rationalizing and trying to take care of that behavior because we cannot fathom that they would do something so overt and negative. So there's a few things, among others, that are red flags when you're – that says, I'm with a hijackal. I'm not just with somebody who's momentarily difficult. Right. So let's talk about those red flags. Cause these are, it's great to have these clear signs um, of what to look for. And I, I can certainly say that I've rec- I recognize many of them and people that I've known. Um, I, I just want to also just, just highlight a little bit about what you said about the um, being in a compassionate world where we tend to overgive. I think, if you, can you just talk to that point again? Because I, this is like such a common thing where people... 
who are kind and compassionate will bend over backwards trying to give and give and excuse and and sort of feed into this kind of behavior, right? So if you if you could just speak to yeah. that for a minute. Sure. You know that people who are raised in homes that have good values um, and that's not a value judgment on my part. It's like values that would lead you to be compassionate or lead you to be considerate of other people or giving people the benefit of the doubt. All good things. That's what I mean by good. Um, we're raised to do that. So we do bend a little bit more than we sh- than otherwise because oh, well, maybe that person's having a bad day. Maybe they're going through a bad time. You know, maybe there's stress at work, you know, whatever it is. So we get into the mindset of doing that, which is wonderful, but we have to also learn to have boundaries. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you about your new book Uh, Mm. because if we don't have boundaries that say, whoa, that went way over the mark. Like, you're, you're wanting me to be about you all the time. It's allaboutyou.com. It's what you need. It's what you want. It's what you like. It's what you don't like. It's how you expect me to show up and how I'm wrong. We we have to step back and have a broader picture and say, no, no, this this is a place where there will never be an end to the giving and I will exhaust myself emotionally, physically, mentally, uh, and, and trying to create equity, there will never be equity. So when we when we are coming from that place of really caring about other people, we have to know ourselves so well that we know when we've been disrespected or dismissed, or somebody is walking all over us, and we're we're being expected to be a doormat. All of those things have to be calibrated, Sandy, so that we include ourselves in compassion. Like, I feel terrible. I feel trampled on. I feel uh, put down all the time. Why am I in this relationship space? We need to get some help, right? This isn't working. Like, I work with couples. I work with individuals. And I work with people in the workplace. And they all require some similar skills to be able to say what's going on for us, why it's not working in a way that can be heard. Mm-hmm. But if we if we learn those skills and we can express ourselves well, then we are less likely to find ourselves marginalized by a hijackal. Mm. Very well said. Um, and and this is an awakening that a lot of people have. Um, after they're 40, 50, 60, when they've been in these kinds of relationships their whole lives. And it it is hard for a lot of my clients to trust again because this has been their experience. So so let's let's talk about the red flags um that people can see so they they know right away or you know whether they're beginning to date or they're already with a hijackal, what are the red flags that they need to pay attention to? Well, you know, the five things that I mentioned are definitely red flags, but it might look or sound like this. You know, you you have an expect, you go on a date, for instance, and you've seen this person three or four times, maybe ten times already, and you're really beginning to say, oh, there might be something here. And then you start to notice that there's a little turning that 
you know, well, they don't show up at a particular time. And when you say to them, you know, I was here, where were you? Well, I have, I have a life too, you know. I, I can't always be where I said I will be. And, and that's a bad expectation on your point of view. We've been seeing each other for a while now, and there should be more wiggle room. Okay, red flag, disrespect, lack of communication, creating conflict, and blaming me. You know, if we, the problem with dating, Sandy, as you so well know, is that too many people go in with their rose-colored glasses on and that red flags all look pink. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, you want to be able to say, calibrate, how am I feeling right now? And, And believe your feelings. Take it into account. When your gut sinks, notice, (laughs) this Mm -hmm. is not okay with me. (laughs) Whoa. And then believe that you deserve to be treated actively. That there must be mutuality for any relationship to grow. When I wrote the book Kaizen for Couples, I put in there six relation steps that are essential to a healthy, growing relationship that is growing in intimacy, growing in vulnerability, safety, transparency, honest, honesty. Um, and mutuality is a really big deal. And when you're dating and you find that there is no mutuality, that over time it's starting to always weigh out on the other person's side, notice that. Because then you're going to take those things that I mentioned, the all-or-nothing thinking, the winning, the blaming, the ambiguity, and the incredulity. You're going to start to see, ah, maybe there's some of those happening too. And I was making excuses for this person. Because our Mm -hmm. our early life sets us up for that. You know, we don't set out to be hijackal bait. (laughs) We're set up for it. Our early life teaches us that how we were in our parental situation, how we were raised, sets it in motion. And if we don't re-examine it, and I know that you do great work with people, getting them really to think about who they are and what they want when they're in the dating world. If we don't do that for ourselves, we are likely to end up repeating patterns that were unhealthy previously, and we were set up for those. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with you, and I I do a little bit of um, of un, uncovering some of that when I first start working with a client because that's where the patterns start. And although I'm not a therapist, I really think you have to start there because it's what informs the patterns that you have. And then once you know the patterns, you can begin to break them. Um, you know, without knowing the origin, it's really hard to to really define it. And um, and to break those patterns, so um, that's it's really important that you mention that. So thank you for that. Um, and this mutuality thing, I think you know the whole idea that we're a team. You know, we are a team, and if it's all about your way or the highway, yeah, you know, I was in a relationship like that for a very long time, and I kept feeling like, well, I can compromise. You know, I'm really good at compromise. That's what I learned at home. You know, be the compromiser, and I felt. Like I lost major parts of myself because of that, and then at some Absolutely. point it no longer worked for me. You can't, you know, if if there's too much at stake. Um, well, compromise is occasional. What we want to mm-hmm. learn in a in a good relationship is collaboration. Yeah. Not compromise. 
right? Uh-huh. Compromise is overrated because we can quickly get out of out of sync with each other. If it's just things that one doesn't care about as much as the other, sure, compromise. But if you care, if it's important to you, then you must have the skills to ha- communicate so that you can collaborate, and that's what creates uh-huh. mutuality. And if that's not there in your dating world, it isn't going to come along easily. You're going to have to get help. Mm-hmm. Well, I am launching my communications course next week. Um, my second, it's the second time I'm doing it. It's one of my favorite courses because it teaches women to have the skills to communicate. And we start with what you were saying before, what's going on for you first. How do you even identify your feelings and needs? Because so many people have no idea what they're feeling and needing. They just don't know. And, I mean, I didn't. And so when you really start getting clarity and then you learn the differences between men and women and and you really know how to communicate with each other, all your relationships change. This is not just about romantic relationships. Um, Really advocating for your needs everywhere in your life, to me, is so essential. Absolutely. You and I, we were talking before about what happens when somebody steps on those values in a work situation, Um, you know, when you don't feel respected. You know, these skills are important all the time. Um, so let's mm-hmm. let's talk about, um, okay, so somebody identifies the red flags. They do, they're, they're with a hijackle, they're dating one, they're with one. What do they do next? <laughs> well, first of all, they inform themselves. You know, if they're working with you, they can come back and say, I'm seeing these patterns. Be wise to the patterns. Step back and see how often does this happen. And if it's beginning to show up to you like a pattern, you need to take note of that. And then get some help. You know, I have clients all over the world, Sandy, who have recognized that they're with a hijackal or they've previously been damaged by being one. So I either work with the partner of a hijackal or the ex of a hijackal, or maybe you were raised by one. And that's why I work with the adult children of hijackals because I am one. I lived through Mm -hmm. that. Boy, let me tell you, Sandy, I am an expert on this from both sides, (laughs) from from my view trained as a psychologist and from my view being raised by a hijackal. My mom was a hijackal. She even spent time in a mental institution in my early life. Um, And then, of course, I learned that, you know, well-trained to to live with hijackals, so I went out and chose one to marry, you know. Mm -hmm. And you have to learn... As an adult child of a hijackal, you have to know what things you need to look at in order to step out of that and stop being hijackal bait. So the first step is if you notice the pattern, then you must notice that you're being hijackal bait and you've got to do something about it. So that's a lot of the work that I do in the world. And people can who are, are drawn to this conversation, just go to hijackals.com. That's hijack, A-L-S, Uh, These are Hmm. people who hijack relationships. That's why we call them that. And when you go there, you get my free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackal. And also, that's the only way that you can get access to my secret Facebook group where you can confidentially and safely ask your questions, and I will answer them. Mm, I love that. Well, I'm going to recommend a lot of people to you because... I've written a lot about narcissists and emotionally um, manipulative 
people and relationships. And every week I get many emails from people who are in these kinds of relationships and they don't know how to get out. And I've recommended Ross Rosenberg as a source and his human magnet syndrome and his forums. Um, I will definitely recommend your site as well because people need support. It is just so critical to know you're not alone um, and that there is help out there. Um, so that's really yeah, and, nice and of I you. Want to talk about, I want to talk about the behaviors with people. You know, labels are not useful. Yes, hijackles is a label, but the reason I chose it is because it's not psychological. It's talking about mm-hmm. a pool of traits that people have. They don't need a diagnosis and not especially mm-hmm. not an amateur diagnosis. Yes. They just need to know how to handle those behaviors. Mhm. I I actually make that distinction with people right away and I say I can't diagnose your boyfriend, your husband, whoever you're with and it's it's actually to me not as important to know the diagnosis as to know the fact that you're really unhappy and um you know, and you need support to save yourself, you know, and whatever it is. Um, so I'm glad you make that distinction. So um, one last quick question. We're really running out of time. But what if if you are with a hijackal? Is there hope for a healthy relationship? It depends on the severity of the hijackal behavior and even more so on the willingness of the hijackal to enter into working with me. Uh, This is my specialty. There are very few of us, as you pointed out, that have this as a specialty. Uh, So if they're willing to work, um, there is a way to calibrate whether there's hope. If they're not willing to work, then you need to know this is never going to change. But you can change. So I always recommend you change first while you're in the relationship. Work with me. Get all the insights. Make all the changes. Try all the things that I suggest, all the strategies. If they work, great. We'll get your hijackal into working together too, and we will see what this relationship can become. But do your work while you're in the relationship, not when you get out of it. Of course, certainly if you're out of it, do the work. But use the relationship as a learning, growing medium. Try everything. Make the changes in you and see if that results in a change in the relationship first. Don't just go running <laughs> because mm-hmm. you love this person for a reason. Let's find out if it's possible to rekindle and reignite that love. Mm. Good advice. Really excellent advice. Wow. I, this this could go on for a long time. This is such an interesting discussion. I'm sure you've helped so many people today, um, Roberta, and um, with all of your fabulous work. So people, just just tell people again how they can find you. Just go to hijackles.com, H-I-J-A-C-K-A-L-S.com. And if you want more generalized information, you can go to my main website at forrelationshiphelp.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Roberta, for coming on the show today and for your fabulous work. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Sandy. I look forward to speaking with you again. Me too. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a wonderful day. 